0: Welcome to the Multifamily Five, where industry experts provide raw information about how they're achieving success in the current market conditions. And now, your host, Dallas-based real
1: estate broker, Mark Allen. And welcome to the Multifamily Five. Today I have the professor, James Zang from Old Capital. James, how's it going?
0: Pretty good, Mark. Thanks for having me on today.
1: Yeah, excited to have you. So um, let's get into this first question. I always start with, James, tell us about yourself, your background, your experience, and a little bit about Old Capital. Sure. Um, So born and raised in Houston, went to school in Austin
0: at University of Texas, did finance there, um, spent 10 years at GE Capital, really focused in on commercial real estate there, and was an underwriter in their CMBS and bridge loan program. And then the last five years have really been focused on mortgage originations from multifamily um, at Old Capital. So I'm a mortgage broker at Old Capital based here in Dallas. And we do about a billion a year. Um, Over the last five years, I've done about 800 million. The average deal size is probably like $5 million is where uh, most of the deals that I work on. Um, And then you know also invested in about 26, 27 multifamily properties throughout Texas as a limited partner. So um, that's me in a nutshell.
1: Yeah, old capital has done. Uh, I bet if you looked at a map of all the properties you financed, a uh, good majority of the the workforce housing here in Dallas Fort Worth.
0: Yeah, we like to say one out of every three BNC apartments in Dallas Fort yeah. Worth. So um, a good number of them. So I always like like when someone flies in the town or I take them around. Essentially, we just drive around and we talk about every single property, every single owner, every single um, lending transaction that we've done in you know the BNC market. So like if you just drive let's say just north of 635 and go around from, you know, Garland, the Carrollton to Irving, Arlington, like just, that's our loop. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, that's great. So excited to have you on. Let's let's get started just with a high level overview of what you're seeing out in the marketplace today.
0: Yeah, I mean, I definitely definitely still see a lot more activity than I would say two or three months ago. I mean, listing brokers have sort of brought back all these deals that, you know, maybe they were listed in January, February, March, and everyone sort of put put them on hold just for a couple months. And everyone wanted to see how collections were. And then April, May, June were perfect. Um, I don't know if that was the government stimulus money or unemployment or any of that stuff. But collections essentially were 95, 96, 97% on a lot of these properties. And I mean, I just got off a call um, for August collections. And essentially, it's the same. And so people are paying their rent still. There's definitely some of those lingering tenants that know they can't get kicked out and they've been sitting in their, in their um, apartment with the deadbolt there um, since March and they're not talking to anybody, but most of these tenants are paying the rent. They're trying to get out there and um, you know, make, make, make their rent payments. So um, overall, seeing a lot of good um, activity, And people are getting comfortable with uh, making
1: offers right now. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the data that I'm looking at is rent growth and workforce housing and B and C class. And I think probably more so that the C plus and and B locations, but a lot of deals we're looking at, we're still seeing an upward trend of collections and leases at higher levels. And maybe, you know, obviously rent growth has slowed all in all in the B and C space, but I don't think we're really seeing that in the, in the class A space. Um, at least from the data that I'm tracking?
0: Yeah, I would say Class A is definitely having more challenges right now, um, especially just if depending on the location, if there's a lot of new supply that's coming on, they're in lease up, they're given a month free or two months free, then you're going to have a challenge in your in your property type. But a lot of the stuff that we're um, financing, the stuff that we're selling, it's sort of that 1970s, 1980s um, product and You know, there's really nothing else that's going to compete with that um, product. So the rents that I'm seeing on renewals, um, it's flat to maybe 1% to 2%. And then on new lease, depending on the upgrade program of that property, um, they're still able to get a little bit of a rent increase. Um, But right now, I see a lot of owners have a little bit more focus on occupancy. And, um, you know, most of the deals that I'm seeing, they're 95% plus occupied. But it's really that economic occupancy that is um, working. That, that's, what, that's what they're working on, is making sure that last 5 to 10% pay the rent on time and by the end of the month.
1: Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about financing. You and I were speaking before this podcast um, or interview and, and talked a little bit about the hard bridge market and how a lot of deals are getting done today. It seems like it's been more agency. So uh, just what are you seeing in, in um, you know, the, the new acquisitions lending environment? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, we'll, we'll quote
0: everything, right? We'll quote recourse bank loans, we'll, we'll quote non-recourse bridge. But I mean, majority of people, if they want that certainty of execution right now, um, Fannie and Freddie is really where it's at. Because even though they're requiring you to put up anywhere from, let's say, nine months or 12 months or 18 months of reserves, um, you know they're going to show up at, at the closing table right now. And so that's where most people are modeling deals. Um, a lot of deals are qualifying because they're ninety five percent occupied, and so there. And then the debt is, let's say, two low twos, the high uh, sorry high twos, the low threes, in interest rate. And so most people, if you compare that to a bridge loan that's at five percent or five and a half percent, then um, I don't I don't know if it makes sense um, to to do a bridge loan right now unless you have just an exit very quickly, and you know. A year or two uh, on the bridge side.
1: Yeah, a- at least from my perspective, it seems like a lot of the the um, I'll call them more uh, sophisticated, larger owner operators that are maybe in that five to ten thousand unit level. Um, you know, some of those some of those groups were using bridge loans, uh, but it seems like a lot of them were using Freddie floaters at the time too. But that seems like a lot of the syndicators or, or buyers that I'm talking to now. Um, that are you know more you know call it twenty five million and under space. Uh, this Freddie floater is kind of um, you know caught fire a little bit you know, because they're getting away from bridge and and they can go to a Freddie floater. I don't know if you you're seeing that. Yeah, definitely. I mean,
0: um, I would say Freddie on the conventional side typically hasn't done um, sort of your B B minus C properties. Um, they have dipped down, and um, as I think syndicators have gotten into bigger and bigger properties now they're getting into let's say the 10 the 15 20 million dollar deals and up and Freddie conventional is looking at those a lot more um so Fannie is going to have to come out so Fannie used to have um sort of a seven six arm which was pretty comparable to the the Freddie floater in that the first year was locked out and then it would go to one percent prepay and so i think you know in if you if you go back and you thought about all right um do you, do I take like a 3% floater or do I take a, a 3% fix? Almost everybody would tell you to take the fixed note. Um, but the big thing that they were ignoring was just the prepayment penalty. And so um, that's, that's what has hit more people is this prepayment penalty. And people are a little bit more, um, I guess the Fed has essentially said, hey, we're gonna keep interest rates low for the next, let's say two years And so that is what's giving people comfort to take this floating rate loan. But before, nobody wanted to take a floating rate loan because if all of a sudden you had a chance to lock in at three and then you wake up and next year you're at 5%, uh, nobody was modeling that. And so that's I think people are getting a little bit more comfortable just because you can go out and buy these interest rate
1: caps at a low amount, Uh, whereas before, these interest rate caps were a lot more expensive. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit about, you know, we've seen this resurgence of Fannie Mae Green Rewards Program sure. and their green initiative. Um, can you talk a little bit about, about that program, what the what the changes are? Yeah, really just what the changes are and overall the program.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, so when they rolled this out probably three or four years ago, it really started with, hey, if you guys could save, like, let's say 20%, then they, they ratcheted up to 25%, then 30% um, in savings then we'll give you a discount, let's say 20 basis points to 30 basis points off of your interest rate. And they um, took it away at the beginning of this year. And they said, Hey, um, on Fannie Mae, we are just going to do, you know, we're going to focus on affordability, we're not really going to give you any discount for green. So nobody did it for the first seven months of the year, nobody did green. um, Because it it didn't help your pricing. So no one did it. And now they just sort of resurrected, I would say, you know, end of July, beginning of August, they said, all right, if you guys do the green program, we're going to drop your floor. So they have a base rate for the 10-year treasury at about 90 basis points. And they'll drop it down to 60 basis points. They'll save you that 30 basis point spread um, on your interest rate. So you might, instead of going from, let's say 3%, now you're at 2.7 on green today on a 10 year on your 10 year deal. So, um, you know, you have to go out, engage a third party report, Uh, the green report usually takes about two to three weeks. And then once that report comes back, they're going to tell you to do, you know, aerators, showerheads, toilets on the water side, they may have you do LED lights, and they were going to escrow that money like an immediate repair. And then um, essentially at close, they're going to give you that lower interest rate. Um, So As long as you can get to thirty percent and uh, fifteen percent of that needs to come from water, fifteen percent from electric, then you're going to be able to qualify for that discount. So I've seen some uh, deals where they might have a longer time frame to close, and they're just sort of,
1: all right, yep,
0: order the report. Let's let's see if we qualify. Um, And other people, it's too late, right? If they're sort of midstream on a deal, it's too late to sort of switch over to that. Um, They've either Lock the rate, or it's just too close um, in terms of timing. But for new deals, that's definitely something to look at when you start engaging. Um, you know, your engineer, appraisal, that type of stuff. Then, then get the green report and see what they come back with. Because um, you know, I think a lot of people have a good idea on the water side. Uh, you know, getting that quoted, but on the electric side, that's always a little bit harder to quantify.
1: Yeah, I agree. And then can't, um, doesn't Fannie Mae underwrite a pro forma water expense, like a reduced, like typically you'd have to carry the current, but they'd actually underwrite, uh, with their new program and a lower water. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. Yeah. I forgot about that. So the, um, so let's say your annual expense for, for water and sewer is a hundred thousand. And now you're going to do this program. They will go in and underwrite in your pro forma the same way that they underwrite your pro forma payroll. Um, They can underwrite, let's say, a 15% savings if that's what you're going to achieve once, um, you know, this property, once you do the toilets and showerheads and aerators. um, If that's what you're going to achieve, they can actually underwrite that and that can improve your loan proceeds.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's great. All right. uh, Let's talk a little bit about reserves. Um, I know that's probably a big question. And and, uh, what are you seeing on that front? Any changes there, positive or negative?
0: Yeah, you know, like the minute that I say that there's no changes, like Fannie's going to come out with something that's going to change it. So I like to say sort of like in March, everybody thought the world was going to end on collections. And so they went super conservative. And so they did, you know, P&I, they did taxes, they did insurance, they did replacement reserves. Mm -hmm. And that came out to about 10% of your loan amount. So you had to put up an additional 10%. Um, at close, and they were going to hold that for 12 months on most of these, on most of these transactions. Um, sort of mid, mid-summer, they said, all right, we've seen April's been good, May's been good, June's been good in terms of collections. Let's take off the taxes. Let's take off the insurance. Let's take off the replacement reserves. So right now, it's just P&I. Um, so depending on your leverage and the size of your loans, you can be anywhere from you know, 12 months on Fannie to nine months on, on Freddie, uh, conventional. And uh, most people are comfortable with that. I mean, they're just sort of adding that as part of their equity raise. And some people are using that as maybe a portion for their rehab budget, maybe in year two or year three. And uh, people, people are okay with that. So I th- it ends up being about 5% of your loan amount, just as a rough calculation for most people. And uh, you know that, that is to trading that execution certainty that Fannie and Freddie are giving to put up a little reserve is, is not bad. And, you know, the agencies are happily lending right now. I mean, I listened to one, one call, um, this past week with one of the agency lenders and they're like, these are the best loans that we're making right now because we usually didn't get all this stuff. We didn't get, you know, nine months or 12 months of PNI. So our, our, our loans are better than they were, you know, (laughs) six months ago. So it's, it's just interesting to see it from both sides of the table is that, you know, uh the agency lenders want to lend and the borrowers want to borrow at this at
1: this rate. So um, you know, people are making transactions happen. Yeah. Uh what, what about, you know, holding and selling? Um, I don't know if more of your business comes from new acquisitions or refinances, but uh you mentioned uh just kind of before the call that you have some some um owners who are willing to eat the prepayment penalty, the yield maintenance. Um, in order to lock in some of these low rates with you know multiple years of interest only to just up their cash flow, yeah. I mean, think
0: about somebody who has um, let's say let's say they they locked in a fanny deal and it's five percent and it's amortizing right now. So um, their constant might be you know six and a quarter, six and a half right now, and then they refi and go all the way down to three percent or two and a half or whatever the number ends up being. And it's interest only. I mean, they essentially double their cash flow um, on that asset right now. Um, so depending on where they are in the process, I know we've seen this where people might be a year or two away from maturity. And they don't know what the debt market is going to be a year or two from now. They're comfortable holding the asset or potentially selling it. And so what I saw one owner do is essentially he went to a, a Freddie floater, and he went through the whole process, got the appraisal, he paid it, paid all, paid the yield maintenance off, put the Freddie floater on there, and then literally like two months later, someone said, hey, I wanna buy your property. And um, I said, no problem, assume this loan, and it was essentially at 75%. So he got 75% on the refi, they assumed the loan, and, and we're off to the races. But if, let's say 12 months after, that person could either assume that Freddie floater, or they could just, uh, you know, pay that debt off at 1%. And then um, the new buyer could put whatever that they wanted to on the property.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I'm sure you can look at it as a you know, certain payback period. You know, it's, it's probably tough to eat a seven figure uh, yield maintenance penalty on a refi. Right. But just like you said, I mean, if, if you're doubling your cash flow, what is that um, and maybe pulling out maybe your your equity that you've built over time is you know covering that yield maintenance penalty. Um, and what does that what does that look like? So
0: yeah, and I mean, it takes it takes a little bit of the maturity it takes the maturity risk off the table, right? So if you're a year or two away and then um, let's say interest oh, rates yeah. go up or something happens, whereas you're just resetting that maturity, yeah. you're resetting the i o and then you're returning some capital back to your investors. And so that's that's one way to think about it. And um, another way is, you know, we see some guys and they just sit until, you know, it's open for the last three months and they want to refi. So
1: either way that you want to do it. Yeah. All right. So you said that you're a passive investor, a limited partner um, and over, would you say, 27 deals in total and you've sold? Six or seven. Um, yeah. So it's about twenty. So I get twenty on on the fifteenth of
0: every month. I check my email to to make sure I get my monthly report from these twenty guys.
1: Yeah. So as a passive investor looking to invest in deals, I know you probably have some, obviously, some strong relationships with uh, sponsors um, that you feel comfortable investing with. But uh, what do you what do you look for today? Are are you still actively looking for to invest in deals, or do you stand on that? To me, so when I first started
0: in two thousand fifteen, my big push was really um, cash on cash and cash flow, and I wasn't really looking to like double triple my money in eighteen months. I was more like, can I clip eight to ten percent coupons, um, you know, going forward? And then if there's a little upside on the back on the back end of the deal, great. Um, so that was like my first ten to fifteen deals. And then, I, I don't know, I think I got caught up in the whole uh, value add, like, I'm going to double my money in 18 months. So I threw some money into some heavy value add deals. And um, some of those worked out, some of those refied some of those um, sold, but other of those, like, I haven't received a dime from. So and some of those, so that's, that's not to me. Now I'm going back to my strategy from 2015, 2016, and say, if... Someone can provide me if year one is, I don't know, seven to 8% cash on cash. And then year two, year three, they think they can get to, um, you know, eight, nine, 10% cash on cash. I like that deal a lot better right now uh, because I don't know if you buy a deal right now, I don't think you're selling it in two years. I think it's more of a five to seven year hold versus a three to five. And what we've been seeing in the past is three to five year holds um, for most of these guys um, on the syndication side
1: yeah well that's great james uh thanks so much for your time what's the best way for listeners to reach out learn a little uh, bit more about old capital and yourself or yeah you best, get a loan quote
0: <laughs> yeah um best way is probably email so um you reach me uh J E N G at oldcapitallending.com um you can my phone number i have a uh small following on youtube so you can you can um uh, Quote or Google James in YouTube that that'll get you some videos that we've done in the past, um, and that's that's probably
1: the best way. Yeah, that's why they call him the professor. Go check out his YouTube. I'll put that in the show notes. But he schools people up on financing. So yeah, some great content. James has put out a ton of good content. So check that out again. James, appreciate the time today. It was good, uh, good discussion, and look forward to connecting soon.